Monkeys podcast. We are really excited today to bring with you another Hall Star interview. We are talking with actor Mark Declan today. And Mark, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Rachel. It's good to be here. How are you? Yeah. Yeah. So I was looking at your IMDb and uh, your IMDb bio, and uh, we always kind of joke on the podcast that Hallmark loves men with many jobs you know, that, that that's the contrast to the bad man yeah. of business is the person who's like good at everything right. and is always there for the, the town, whatever is needed. And I think that you could classify as a, as a real life man with many jobs. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> I guess that could be seen as either a, a positive. You could, I could call myself a Renaissance man, or I could just say that I spent a long time trying to figure out, you know, what the heck I wanted to do with my life. Um, yeah. And it, it's funny. Somebody, somebody just tweeted the other day, Let's have a moment of silence for all the for all the lawyers in business suits who are about to lose their their fiance to a guy in flannel, um, <laughs> which I had to I had to like that one. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I've done I do a lot of things. I've done a lot of things. Um, you know, I spent I spent a long time trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, right out of college, I went to work for Greenpeace. Um, I you know, work construction jobs. Yeah. You worked as a jazz pianist in Vienna. That has to have a story. I behind did. It. It, it does. And it, it, it wasn't, um, I didn't work for very long. It was, it was literally, uh, I was, my dad and my uncle and I had gone to Dresden and that's a whole other long story. We, we were doing some, some family research and, and visiting some distant cousins and my buddy was working for BMW in Munich. This is a buddy of mine from college. And uh, so I went to, I went down to Munich to see him. And then I took the train to Vienna and I just wanted to stay. And I was, I was running out of money. Like I, I had, my dad and my uncle had gone back. I wasn't, I wasn't traveling the whole time with them. I was just doing my thing, spending money that I had earned on construction jobs. And I budgeted myself just right. And I had one week, one week's worth of money left. And I took the train to Vienna and I wanted to just see a bunch of opera and see, you know, like where Mozart was born and good cultural stuff. And it's a fantastic city. I'm having a great time. And I, I had sort of planned it. I had two friends from California who were backpacking through Europe at the same time. So we planned to meet up in Vienna. And so it was our last night there. Uh, I, I literally had just enough money to get to the airport the next day. And uh, we went out and we found this really great bar. And there was a, there was a, a white Steinway baby grand piano in the back. And this really cool woman was playing. And, uh, and my friends knew that I played. So they, they asked her, you know, hey, would it be okay if my friend got up and, and played a song or two? And she said, yeah, okay. And I did. And, you know, I, I, I'm competent. And she said, oh, you're, you know, you're, you're pretty good. Um, could you help me out? I want to go visit my family in Stuttgart and, but I don't want to lose my job here. Could you be a placeholder for me um, until I get back? So I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> That'd be great. So I ended up staying a while longer and it was a great adventure. And I was, you know, I was bar back when I wasn't playing piano and uh, my German got much better than it had been. Um, and it, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a great fun adventure. And then eventually I went back home and, and then I started grad school. Uh, wait, was that? Yeah. Then, then a few months later, I ended up going to grad school uh, in Indiana for English lit. Uh, I was not going to be an actor. That was not the plan at all. 
You're like living out a Billy Joel song <laughs> in real life. I mean, it's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they were putting bread in my jar and saying, yeah. man, what are you doing here? For sure. Yeah, that's right. Well, that and Vienna, he has that song, Vienna. <laughs> yeah, and Vienna, Vienna, well, Vienna did wait Vienna for me, Vienna waits right. for you. <laughs> Very good. Uh, that's, that's a great, great. tune. Yeah. So you have, yeah, you said it said on your IMDb that you had worked at Cape Cod. You had been a rare book dealer that you have construction workers, you said an English teacher. That is really cool. Thank you. I mean, you know, it's one of those things I'm sure I caused a lot of stress for my parents, you know, <laughs> yeah. in, in, in my twenties as they were watching me, you know, they were really supportive. Don't get me wrong, but I'm sure there were times when they were like, Oh my God, what, what is this kid doing with his life? Because I just didn't know. I didn't know what I wanted yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, and a lot, you know, honestly, a lot of the, a lot of the things that, uh, a lot of the skills or talents that I had, I wasn't sure how to monetize that. You know, like uh, I was a good teacher. Um, I was, you know, there, there, I, there were, I was, there were just certain things I, I was, I was pretty good at, but, but I just couldn't figure out how do you make a career out of that. Um, and so, like I said, I was on the path. Uh, I mean, the railroad job in Cape Cod was, that was just a, a random, uh, my dad was a builder. So I had some, I had a, some skill uh, with tools. Uh, I don't want to overplay that, but, but some. Um, and, uh, and they were restoring this old, this old, uh, these old railroad cars from the 1940s, um, silver street cars. It was really cool. It was this really, uh, neat little railroad that ran from Hyannis on Cape Cod up to Boston and back. And they would do like mystery dinner th theater and things like that um, on the train. And uh, so we were hired to just do welding and restoring. And it was, it was really, it was a fun time. And then my buddy and I, uh, our boss liked us. So when the job was done, he said, you guys want to stay on and I'll make you a conductor and a fireman. So we would just ride the train. It was really, it was fun. Um, but yeah, my, you know, I, eventually uh, the, the respectable path that I chose uh, was I was going to get my PhD in English Lit. And, um, and so I started that. I finished the master's work and I was still, the whole time I was doing plays on the side just for fun. And uh, just one day I had a light bulb. I was, I was in rehearsals for a play. Uh, it just felt right. And that night I went back to my apartment and I sat down uh, to do some work on my dissertation and I just sat there staring at the keyboard and not typing anything uh, for about half an hour. And then it just, it just really hit me that, you know, I really do want to see if I can make a go of it with acting and maybe it's foolish. I mean, I was, I was always very realistic. I always knew that acting is a, is a, a tenuous job at best, but I thought, I just want to see, you know, and maybe I'll fail. And if so, then I'll know. So I called the head of my department and I said, Steve, I'm dropping out. And he was beautiful about it. He was like, I, I had a feeling I saw you in a play. <laughs> months ago and I we, we my another professor and I came, had they'd come to see me in a, a Shaw play and he said when we left we we looked at each other and we said we're going to lose him so uh he said so how can I help which was so yeah. beautiful so um so I said I don't know I don't have a place where are you going to go I said I don't know I you know New York LA I, I really don't know and so he made me an offer he said why don't you stay finish out the year I'll put you on faculty because uh, you're already a good you're, you're you're a very good English teacher just stay on keep teaching English and you can take, you know, acting classes here at the university. And when you're ready, then you'll make your move, which was terrific. So I did that and then uh, moved to Seattle, which was pretty happening at that point. That was, it was, you know, 
it was back in the time of grunge and and all those great bands like nirvana and alice in chains and soundgarden they were all sort of local bands and uh and starbucks was a local coffee shop um i mean i think they were at that point weren't they weren't starbucks the behemoth and uh so it was just it was an exciting time to be there and then i ended up uh getting my mfa from the university of washington in acting my mfa in acting and then uh certified with the society of american flight directors sort of by sort of by chance just a teacher of mine happened to be involved with them he said you should certify for this it'll look good on your resume so i did and then you know that ended up taking me down another whole career path um and uh yeah. And then, and then eventually I got a really nice review. Uh, I was working in Seattle. I got a really nice review and they very sweetly referred to me as a local favorite, oh. but I didn't, I didn't like that. <laughs> I flipped it out. I was like, I'm too young to be a local favorite. That feels too, like, I feel like now I feel like a big fish in a small pond. Uh-huh. I need to go to a big pond. So I moved to New York and, uh, yeah. you know, and I was in New York for a while and then eventually ended up in LA. And yeah. Yeah. So you ended up being on Broadway for a bunch of years and I'm a huge theater nut, theater nerd, oh, good. whatever you want to call it. Love it so much. Uh, and as much as I, cause I'm a film critic for my job, but the, uh, as much as I love film, I love theater even more. I absolutely love, I hear you. there's something about live theater. I think it's just incredible. And, uh, so I was curious to know, I, I'm always curious about actors uh, stage actors and how you keep motivated when you're doing the same part over and over and over and over again. Does it, does it get hard? Um, it, it does. I mean, I have a couple versions of an answer to that. Uh, I guess one, you know, part of the fun of it is that you get to, you craft this performance, right? You, and, and it's, it, I hate to think of it even as a performance. It's you craft the way that you are going to contribute to the telling of the story, right? And I'm more than anything else in life, I'm a storyteller. And um, so to me, it's always exciting. The idea of how can I communicate this story to this audience? Cause it's not the same audience. And, and yes, you're not, you're not seeing faces and you're not necessarily hearing voices but you're feeling energy. And that's real. That's why, like, that's what you were just talking about. That's why theater is exciting because you're breathing the same air and you're, 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 there's an exchange of energy. And, and, you know, the joke that you tried to land last night won't necessarily land tonight, even though they laughed last night. Um, Every audience is different. Um, So you have to be, you have to stay in the truth of that moment under, under these imaginary circumstances. So part of the fun and the challenge is how do I, how do I keep this fresh? How do I, every night uh, make this a new telling of this story. Yeah. And, and that's, again, that's what I love about it. But I, I do also believe after a while, inevitably it gets stale. I think, I, think there, I think there's a shelf life, not necessarily for production, but for the actors in the production. Um, I, I think if you're doing a play for, you know, if you're doing a play for a couple of years, I think inevitably it's it, at some point, it's going to become your cubicle and it's going to lose a bit of that excitement. So one of the things I loved, I mean, this is before I had a family um, and needed steady employment. Um, one of the things I loved about being a stage actor and itinerant gypsy was, was exactly that. I was constantly changing it up. I would, I would go to a play for, you know, three, four months, then be unemployed, then go to another play. And it was really exciting to reinvent that every time. And it always felt fresh. 
Um, and uh, so, you know, and obviously film and TV is different. There's a different satisfaction there. Like there's something very satisfying about shooting a movie, having it in the can. And, and now it's, now you, it's there, you can watch it. And it's, it's as fresh as it was when you shot it because it was captured, but it's not live. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I love both. I both, I love both media uh, yeah. very much. We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. Cozy up with a very Bavarian Christmas, a delightful Christmas novel by Katie M. Reed. Holly Noel Brigham is trapped back in her hometown, personalizing ornaments at the mile long Christmas store. And she doesn't even like Christmas. As Holly works through fractured relationships and embarrassing misunderstandings, she stumbles upon love in the Bavarian-themed town from which she tried to distance herself. Best-selling author Crystal Payne says this about a very Bavarian Christmas. If you're looking for a holiday-themed read that will warm your heart but also make you think this is the perfect pick, the storyline and characters draw you in from the get-go and you'll find yourself relating to their struggles and cheering for their victories. Available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook. Pick up A Very Bavarian Christmas for yourself and the Hallmark fans on your list at AVeryBavarianChristmas.com. That's AVeryBavarianChristmas.com. Yeah, so you were in The Lion King on Mm -hmm. Broadway, correct? Yes. Yeah. I mean, what is that like with those incredible puppets, the incredible costumes? I mean, must be just an amazing experience. It, it, it was it was one of the coolest experiences of my life on on many levels. Um, one, I, I had I had actually I'd been working more and more, even though I was a New York based actor, I'd been working more in California and going back and forth a lot. And I'd sort of gotten to the point where I was and I was really starting to really enjoy and get a handle on film. And I thought, you know, I need to commit to, to L.A. And so I'd gone out and I'd let my apartment go in New York and I'd gotten this this uh, little apartment in Koreatown in, in L.A. And I got the offer to do The Lion King on Broadway. And I said, oh, God, I mean, this is something, you know, when I lived in New York, this is something I would have jumped at. But now, you know, what? I've made a commitment. I chose this path. So I'm going to stick with this. And I turned it down. Um, not that that was easy to do, but I just sort of felt like I need to stick with the path that I just chose myself. And a couple of days later, September 11th happened. Um, and wow. I, you know, I stood there watching that happen. And I got profoundly homesick and I really, not that I thought I could do anything, but I just felt like I needed to be back in New York. So I called my agent and said, can we call back and see if the job's still available? And it was. Um, And so that's how, so I came back and that was a very exciting, I mean, obviously a somber time to be in New York, but also a very, New York was filled with life. uh, And I'm sure a sort of gratitude for being alive. You could feel it in the air. Um, so it was, it was an exciting time to be back in New York. Yeah, I, I started doing The Lion King. Um, the other thing was, I'm not a musical theater actor. Um, I'm, I'm a Shakespeare guy who also, uh, like, I'm classically trained as an actor. And I was also in rock bands growing up. I'm like, I'm like a rock singer. I don't have a Broadway voice. Um, I have more of like an Eddie Vedder kind of voice. And so I would look around and I would think, how the hell did I even get here? Like, what am I doing here? But for Scar, that was it was a, it was the perfect match. They wanted mm-hmm. that classical sensibility, uh, a Shakespearean sensibility, and 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 Scar doesn't really have to sing per se. He can just sort of act on pitch. So it it, it was a good fit, um, and you know, it, it was also another element of it was being one of the few 
uh, white folks in a, in a largely a show that was largely people of color, uh, not only African-Americans, but actually, you know, Africans, people who are from South Africa, who are part of the original company. And there was a real sense a real, a, a, a wonderful sense of community. And a lot of that community was centered around the African-American community. And coming in, I, I guess I could have easily felt like an outsider, but I never did. I, I was welcomed in immediately. And, and it was a, a really profound, uh, beautiful experience for me to be, you know, a, a, an honorary member of a community that I'm not really a member of, but to feel like I was part of it. And um, yeah, it, it, it changed my life in a lot of ways. Um, just in, in subtle, beautiful ways. Um, and I've always cherished, I've always cherished that experience. Um, it was so really, cool. it was really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And when then, you think about it, yeah, uh, be, when you think about it, be prepared is, is a, a, a very theatrical song. Yeah. And also, yeah, you could use that sort of more, uh, more modern sound uh, in, in doing that song pretty easily. That makes Definitely. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have to sound like, you know, oh, you know, it's, <laughs> I could just sort of growl my way yeah. through it and it worked. Uh, yeah. Well, if we ever get our uh, Hallmark musical, our dream, our Hallmark musical dream, they will have to have you on board. That would be fun. <laughs> that would be really fun. I can't believe they haven't done it yet. Cause you think how successful these live musicals are that yeah. like NBC does and Fox and whatever. And, yeah. uh, and they do, they do a great job and like how big a part music is of Christmas. And yeah. it just makes sense. There's just, there's so many hall stars that are incredible singers. Uh, so you could, you could do a, a really fun, I think it would have huge ratings. Oh, I, I think it would, I, I agree. I think it would be a huge event and I think mm -hmm. they should consider it. <laughs> yeah, it would be so fun. And yeah. so when you were in uh, with, with Cyrano, did you do the fight uh, choreography for that or were you actually, did you act in that as well? So I I was offered the role of uh, Valver, Valver, not Valver, sorry, getting confused with the Dangerous Liaisons. Um, and, um, and to be the, the fight choreographer. And I had just started, uh, I was working on uh, the show Shark out in LA. Um, and so I couldn't, I couldn't take the role. And I was, I was bummed out because I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to perform in it, but I said, look, but I, I'd still be delighted to do the fights. And um, so I did. And uh, it, it, it was great. I mean, it, it was so exciting. You know, I, I had this sort of moment where I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to choreograph a fight for, for Kevin Klein for the pirate King. I mean, this is unbelievable. Amazing. Yeah. So um, yeah, that was, that was really fun. And, and I spent a long time in the studio building um, what I consider one of the best fights I've done. That was, that was a really fun challenge. And I had, a, I had an amazing uh, fight captain, uh, a guy named Carmen Lachita, who is just wonderful. And, and the fight captain is so uh, essential to a fight choreographer. Um, and the fight captain is basically the guy who keeps, who keeps uh, the fight in order when you're not there. Um, and I, it's actually a job I had done for years before I became a fight director. Um, and uh, yeah, anyway, so it was a great experience. Jennifer Garner uh, was Roxanne and she, she's just, you know, it's funny. My wife and I were just talking about her this morning. It's funny this comes up because uh, 
my wife said, oh, I just, you know, she showed me something uh, funny. And I, I said, oh, where'd you say? She said, oh, I was on, you know, Jennifer Garner's Instagram. I said, oh, she was so nice. I really, I really liked working with her. Like she's what a good hearted person she is. Um, so yeah, anyway, that was, that was, a, that was a great experience. That was really fun. That's awesome. Are you, are you going to see the new Cyrano movie coming out? Of course. Yeah. I'm so excited for it. I think it looks yeah. great. Uh, uh, I'm going to actually get to see it as screening on Thursday and I'm really looking forward to it. I hope it's oh, fun, great. Fun. Yeah. It, it looks really, really good. Peter Dinklage yeah. and director He's Joe so Wright. Good. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So <laughs> very cool. Well, so the first time that I saw you at least on, it was movie aired on Hallmark was the wish list was actually the first time that I saw you. And I, it's kind of a, a funny role because you're literally like the perfect man in the uh, movie. On paper. And, but you lose yeah. out to, right. to Barista to Fred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just couldn't make the coffee, right? I couldn't. I well, you know, it's funny. When I first went to LA, my agent, I remember I had a meeting with him. He was this old, very old school uh, agent. Uh, who I, I'm no longer with, but, but back then it was very, he, they'd been my agency in New York and I was with him. And so we had a meeting and he was sitting, he was looking at me like this and he's like, hmm, I'm trying to figure out, are you the guy who gets the girl from George Clooney or does George Clooney get the girl from you? And I remember thinking, oh my, LA is so weird. Like, why can't I be both? I'm an actor. I can... I can be the guy, sometimes I can be the guy who gets the girl, sometimes I can be the guy who loses the girl. I can stretch. And uh, but you know, LA is funny like that. There is yeah. there, there, there are there are boxes. And sure. um so yeah, I went through a phase uh in LA where I was I was not the guy. I was I was like the red herring. The I would guy. like I did all the procedural, all the all the police dramas, right? And I was always the guy you think committed the murder because um, he's such an entitled jerk. And, you know, and I got and I was I was in that. That was my yeah. wheelhouse. I was like the guy you hate and you assume the worst about him. Um, and so, yeah, it, it made sense for me in a Hallmark movie to be the guy who loses the girl uh, who thinks he's all together, except, he, yeah. you know, except where it counts. You really was the perfect man, except for except for when they were planning the wedding. Then you were a jerk. <laughs> you were no good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, and we had to yeah. play that up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But but Fred, he he was also a jerk. <laughs> That's my problem with that movie. Is that yeah, yeah. I, he, I hear he's, you. He's so rude <laughs> to her. And I mean, you know, and, it's, it's a funny. Yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. No, all I was gonna say was. There's a funny balancing act sometimes with the Hallmark movies. Like sometimes, sometimes you're just a great guy. The character's just a great guy. But some of the some of sometimes you're supposed to have the tension with, you know, the leading lady and the leading man are supposed to have this, I'm not sure I like you at the beginning. And um, that's a that's a fine balancing act you have to strike because we have to understand that that there's you know friction between the two. But you can't just be a jerk. Like you still have to be somewhat charming, somewhat right. likable, or else the movie kind of doesn't work. Yeah. 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 I was like, let the woman make her coffee order just the way she wants it. Yeah. <laughs> Leave her alone. Yeah, don't, be a, don't be a snob. <laughs> yeah. 
Very good. Uh, so what's it like being on a show like Disney Survivor or Grace and Frankie? You had uh, longer runs on those. What's that like? Um, it's it's interesting. We're, you know, series te- television is always an interesting animal because, you know, when you come in to do a movie or a play, you know what the story is. Like you you read the script, you know, you know where it's going to go, where it's going to end up. But with TV, you don't. It's open ended and it can go. Right. It can go anywhere. Um, and so it's, it's interesting, um, because there are choices you might make earlier in your run that seem to make sense in the moment. And then you look back, you know, as your character takes a left turn, you think, oh, I, I wish I'd known that was coming. Cause I could have set that up better somehow. Um, you know, designated survivor was interesting when they brought me in. Uh, I, I was this, this, uh, Senator, I was from Montana, but they wanted me to really play up my, my, apparently I had Southern roots. My family had come from, from the South and my character liked to really play up the good old boy thing um, in order to sort of, you know, bond with like-minded folks. And so, you know, and they really had me like lean into that. They were like, yeah, yeah, really play up the good old boy thing. But then that, that whole backstory, I also, my character was supposed to be an author, this best-selling author and all that stuff sort of got, got, it went away and my character kind of went in a different direction and suddenly this sort of you know accent that I had kind of didn't make sense anymore like and that was from Montana and I sounded like I was from Texas um and and you know they were just sort of like oh well just you know just let's we we were telling you to lean into it now we're asking you to lean away from it and so if you watch subsequent episodes my accent gets lighter and lighter and lighter um but that's that happens all the time in in series tv You're, you're you're figuring out as you go um you know, with Grace and Frankie, my character at first, uh, he was he was extremely um, bohemian, almost almost hippie-ish, almost almost like dirty hippie, and that was cool. I was I was down with that, and I like the, the whole folk musician thing was really going to be played up, but they ended up taking it in a much more sort of uh, bright and colorful direction, which was also fun, um, and. Uh, you know, you know, my character was sort of this this epicurean, right? He was he he could put him in any kind of box. He was just somebody who was interested in trying everything, um, and so that was that was very fun to play. It was very it was very sort of freeing because in a way, you can do no wrong when it's a character who's open to anything. There are no wrong choices as an actor. Um, so that that was really fun, and and the cast was you know. When you're working with good people, it makes such a difference. Um, you know, Sam Waterston and and Martin Sheen and Lily Tomlin. I mean, just amazing. Just um, not, not yeah, ama- like legends, right? Amazing actors I admire, but also just really nice, good-hearted people um, who it was enjoyable to go to work and see at work. So uh, yeah, that's that, I, that, that's it's very fortunate when you get a situation like that. Cool. Yeah, I think that would be interesting. And to yeah see your character kind of grow and evolve in uh, over over time, I think that would be cool. Uh, so the first time that a lot of people listening saw you on Hallmark Channel would have been the uh, uh, Switch for Christmas. Yeah, uh, two Candace Cameron Bray's. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that must have been pretty fun uh, to be a part of. It, it was terrific, and it was really unexpected. Um, in fact, to this day, I'm not sure. I'm not sure 
what, where that came from I, because I hadn't done I had done the wish list and then I had actually turned down a couple of Hallmark movies um there was a period where I thought like oh that's not my brand I'm I'm I'm, I'm much darker and edgier than than that um you know I'm too cool for Hallmark and then I, I, I changed mind. <laughs> I'd actually love to do one and I wasn't yeah. getting any offers and it's fine I it, you know I was doing other stuff and then and it was I think it was the same year if I'm right it was the same year that I was doing Designated Survivor. And also I was doing this really dark arc on, on, um, oh, what, what, what show was that? Um, okay. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to waste. Sorry, I can't think of it now. Um, oh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Anyway. And out of the blue, I got this offer to do this movie with the queen of Christmas, <laughs> you know, Candace Cameron Bure. And I, I remember I was like, oh, okay. I don't, did I earn this? Like, where, where did this even come from? <laughs> um, so I came, I came right out of the gate with, you know, one of the biggest hitters. And as you say, two times, two times Candace. Um, and, and Ian Bailey uh, played the other love interest mm -hmm. to the, up uh, to the twin sister. And uh, he's a great guy. And uh, it, it was just, it was, it was wonderful. We shot that in Salt Lake city, um, <laughs> which is, is that where that's you where, are? Yeah, that's where I am. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love Salt Lake. Well, that's, well, that's where we just shot, you know, uh, this year's Christmas movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I, I know you're going to get to uh, shortly. Uh, I love shooting in Salt Lake. It's a great place. Uh, I love Park City. I love Zion and Arches. And, uh, I, you know, I love going out to the Salt Flats. Um, it, 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 it's really cool. And, and Candace was uh, so, I, I, I have so much respect for her as a professional, she, she handles her business really smartly. Um, she, she is, she is a together businesswoman and really, really very present a, a scene partner. Just really, we had a really nice time and we, had, we ended up getting in some really nice uh, philosophical discussions about random things. Um, and, uh, and Ian is a similarly uh, eclectic uh, erudite kind of guy and, and just had a really fun time. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I'm trying to think, oh, this is interesting. I had, um, I had a wonderful moment. We were, we were, I had this driver in Salt Lake who was this guy, Scott, and he was a very spiritual dude. And we would have these deep conversations driving to location. And he, he gave me this great perspective at one point. We were driving and he said, so what, what are your goals for your career right now? And I said, you know, it's funny, Scott. I don't write at the moment. My career is not my priority. Like my kids are young. And right now, I just want to be the best dad I can be. I guess for my career, I want to be employed enough to support my family, but I want to be unemployed enough to enjoy my family. And he thought about that for a second. He Good. said, so in other words, you're wildly successful. And I was like, oh, wow. I mean, what a great, what a great perspective on that. Because I, I hadn't thought of it that way, right? Like I was just thinking like, yeah, I'm just kind of like working when I can and, you know, getting by. And suddenly I was like, you're right. I, I have exactly what I've wished for right now at this point in my life. It may not be what I want in five years, but at this moment in my life, I'm getting exactly what I would like to have. And thank you for that reminder of how grateful I should be. That is a really, yeah, that is a very good uh, thought because I, I, I had similar realization myself because I, you know, I want to be a published film critic. I want to have 
an outlet that I cover regularly, the films. Mm -hmm. That's my dream. Uh, but uh, I, the other the other day, I was kind of feeling sorry for myself, and I wasn't able to get the pitches that I wanted sold. And uh, and I have an, another job where I I am a social media uh, blogger, basically mm -hmm. an influencer mm -hmm. for a brand, uh, and. I was thinking, why won't somebody pay me for my writing? Right. <laughs> That's what I was right. feeling. And then I realized myself, I realized myself, people do pay me for my writing. It's just not what I want, you know, my number one, what I want to be writing, but it's fine. You know, like it's great. And I don't know, it just made me realize that I'm like, I'm so fortunate to have the the flexibility and the situation that I have and to be able to, you know, live my dreams. And uh, just if they're not packaged in the perfect way that I, you know, I would love it to be, and hopefully maybe someday will be, a, you you do have to take a second and be grateful for the moments. Uh, you know, I agree. And isn't that funny? Because like, we get we get attached to um, we get attached to what the form will be, right? Like yeah. what it will look like. Like you're saying, like I want to be, you know, this kind of writer published in this way. Yeah. And sometimes it makes you blind to the fact that you you've got, you've, you've gotten what you want. You, you are, as you say, you are a published writer, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, um, there is, I, I remember, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not religious, but I, when I remember going to church, the story that my pastor told that always stuck with me. And uh, he said, a, a, a very religious man, uh, there's a flood. And, uh, and his friends say, come on, we got to get up. We, we have to evacuate. He says, no, no, no. God will take care of me. And then the waters get higher. Now he's on the second floor. Uh, you know, a Jeep comes by and they say, jump in. We'll rescue you. No, no, no. God will, God will save me. Flood waters get higher. Now a guy in a rowboat comes by and says, climb in. I'll, I'll, I'll get you out of here. And he says, no, no, no. God will save me. Eventually he's on the roof and a helicopter comes by and, and jump, grab the ladder. No, no, no. God will provide. Sends them away. Well, he drowns. Right. And he gets to heaven and he's mad at God. He's like, why did you abandon me? I was a devout religious man. And God says, what are you talking about? I sent you a Jeep, a rowboat, a helicopter. You turned them all away. And I've always, I've always, that story always yeah. stuck with me. <laughs> yeah. I think we've all been there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you got to be in the Evergreen series, which must've been did. a super fun time. It was a super fun time in, in a number of ways. Um, Jill Wagner is really fun to work with. Like she's just a very funny person in life. Um, and so we had, we had a great time with our banter. Uh, and there were other people in the cast. That's when I met uh, Ashley Williams, who is now, again, we'll come back to this, but that's my connection to the current movie. Uh, as is Sean McNamara. He was my director in Evergreen. And now he's the director of the new movie. Um, and, uh, you know, Holly Robinson Pete was in the movie, Barbara Niven, uh, 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 who am I leaving out? I, I always, I always feel bad. I always, I always try to recall can, everybody. In, we could be going for days with Evergreen yeah, movies. Exactly. There's so, so many. But it, it, it was really, uh, oh, Ricky Bernard, uh, um, yeah. uh, Andrew Francis. Anyway, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to try to pull out the list, but <laughs> it was just a great group of people. Yeah. Um, and, and we had fun. We were up in Vancouver and, uh, I have tons of friends in Vancouver and, uh, yeah, we just had a wonderful time. And, and, uh, uh, so I was really happy to work with both Ashley and Sean again, uh, on this movie that's coming up. 
Yeah. And they had one of the most like epic near kisses in that evergreen movie. I was just like, oh, <laughs> you were so uh, close. Yeah. And the, the, right. And, and the comedy of like, we're about to kiss and it's really hot and heavy. Oh, we just got interrupted. And, that, and that's a funny moment to play because, uh, you know, of course there's comedy in it, but you don't want to make it too like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was, that was fun. We had, we had a lot of fun with that. And by the way, for the record, I know everybody loves the red pickup truck um, yes. and it is cool, but it's one of the worst vehicles I've ever driven in my life. It was, it was such a headache. Awful. Awful. <laughs> the clutch was terrible. And it could, it wasn't automatic. Of course it had to be, and I don't mind driving a stick, but it was like a bad clutch and it wouldn't mm. shift properly. And it was not fun. No power yeah. steering. I was like, I know it looks cool, but God, I hate it. Yeah. Paul Green told us the same thing. It's a Christmas ornament. Yeah. Was that? that? It was t- Paul Green told us the same thing, that it was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not fun. <laughs> well, let's talk about, I know you have some other films. Well, let's, let's move up to the new movie. Uh, so you're in at Kim. Are you in Kimberly's side of the story or in Ashley's yes. side? You're in Kimberly's. So it's two Kimberly's side. So there are two. Have you seen them screeners no, yet? I have not. Okay. So I don't want to deal in any spoilers, but right. the, the two movies are interconnected. Right. Um, and they're not sequential. They're, they're, they happen simultaneously. And they, they sort of, uh, Ashley and Kim and Neil Dodson, who is Ashley's husband, um, and uh, Sean McNamara, they all and the and the writing the other writers they 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 really mapped it out so so it all matches up so the timeline works you know when you're when when thing A is happening in this movie it's thing B that matches is simultaneously happening in this movie and the two sisters go back and forth between the two movies quite a bit um, and if you if it were possible to watch them side by side the timing would all work out so. You know, if Kim says, I'm, I'm, I'm driving to the other town, uh, I'll be back in, tomorrow. Um, the next time you see her to be in the other movie as she pulls in, right? It's, it's pretty cool and, and not an easy thing that. to pull off. Uh, yeah. And a lot of the cast, not a lot, a handful of the cast does the back and forth thing. Um, I did not. I, I, I'm only in uh, the hometown holiday because okay. I represent the hometown. Yeah. I'm, I'm the guy who moved back to Hazelwood. Uh, when my wife died and I brought my young daughter with me and and I'm restoring historical buildings and uh, so I'm I'm very much attached to that location no. whereas where Keith Robinson who's who's Ashley's love interest in the other movie he does make a, a brief appearance or a couple brief appearances in our movie okay. um, not not anything big and we didn't get to have any big scenes together or anything but but he shows up from time to time and you're restoring a theater this one or something like that yeah so i am uh i I, i've come back and i'm i'm the head of the historical preservation society and um and kim's uh kim's family owns this theater um her uncle dave who's played by kevin nealon uh owned the theater and it's it's a tradition in the town everybody everybody had their first date at this theater everybody they always showed christmas movies um and uh but you know, economic things are real and the theater has to be sold. It's not making money. Uh, and uncle Dave, uh, has passed away and I'm, that's not a spoiler. We learned that early on. Um, and so her family basically hires me to come in and, 
uh, my idea is let's let's restore the theater. Let, let's fix everything up as best we can so that the new buyers won't change much. If you know, if, if, if it look if it's still if everything's true to the old theater, but in good shape, then they won't do some fancy modern renovation and then we'll all at least feel good about the fact that we're selling the theater. So that's what I'm doing. Um, now, Kim has come home. She's going to help her parents out. And uh, so she, she and I are working together uh, on this restoration. And we we went to high school together. We both grew up in this town. We both ended up leaving this town. But uh, we were debate team rivals. Um, and we kind of didn't like one another. Um, I, I mean, secretly, I had a crush on her, but I never sure. said anything. Um, but we were always butting heads. And we and in fact, there's there's a a fun but creepy thing that that will come into the movie <laughs> it's creepy to me um they wanted a photo of us on the debate team together so uh you know photoshop is a crazy thing yeah, right so i gave them this picture of me from like eighth grade i think and kim had a similar younger photo and they found a photo of two kids in suits like they're on a debate team and they you know they photoshopped our faces and they did a good job. The props department did a really good job morphing us into yeah. these kids. So it's like, you know, and they said and it shows up in the movie and it actually looks good, but it's like, it's creepy, right? Yeah. <laughs> like when they yeah. said to me, I was like, oh, look, there's young me with, you know, it's, <laughs> it, 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 it was, it, but, but it, it works, um, yeah. you know, the magic of movies. That is really cool. Well, I mean, I'm really looking forward to this. I, it's just fun. They're trying something new, doing something different. And uh, I think, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be great. I mean, they have the Williams sisters together the first time acting together is super fun. And they're both, they're both so great. Yeah. Um, again, I'd worked with Ashley before. Um, I didn't know Kim. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, I knew who she was uh, from father of the bride and from yeah. according to Jim. Um, but, you know, and I knew that she was Brad Paisley's wife. Like I, I knew who she was, but we'd never sure. met before. Um, God, she's just terrific. She's such a, such a down to earth. Cool. Like I remember thinking like, you know, we're like, this is someone I, I would be friends with in real life, not just like someone who I like and get along with, but truly someone I, yeah, that I would be friends with. Um, just, just such, such a first rate and, and Ashley too. They're just, they're, they're such first rate human beings and their relationship in real life is, it's just beautiful. I mean, they really are best friends and uh, it's nice, you know, like I look at my own, my own kids, I have a son and a daughter and, and, you know, I see them together. I see how much they love each other. And of course you hope my wife and I, you know, we watch them. We, we hope that they'll stay close and that they'll, they'll be best friends growing up. And um, so to see it, to see two adults who are clearly each other's person. Um, yeah. And it, it, it's really, and I think it really translates. I mean, this is their movie. That's like, I'm in it. I'm a co-star in the movie. I'm like a second lead, but it's really, it's their movie. I'm just, mm -hmm. we're all just there enjoying the ride. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean that in some gross way, like it's all about them. It just, it's, that's to me, that's the magic of these movies is watching mm -hmm. the chemistry of the two of them. Uh, you know, and, and then, and then, like I said, we're just, we're all just along for this great ride and having fun. That sounds great. I'm very much looking forward to it. We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. It's the Hallmarkies merch store. Are you looking for that perfect gift for the postable Hardy or Hallmarkie in your life? What about getting that t-shirt or hoodie that will help you stand out at your next holiday party? Now is the time to check out the Hallmarkies merch store. Full of festive designs by artists like Jessica Miller, Carrie from Walmart Comics, and more. 
You can even have more than just shirts, but totes, cell phone cases, notebooks, mugs, and more. And it isn't just Hallmark. We have designs for Anna Green Gables, Man from Snowy River, The Nanny, and more. Every purchase at the merch store goes to help support the podcast and allows us to make the great content you know and love. There are frequent sales, so go to tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies or see the link in the description. That's tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies. Well, we like to end our interviews with some fun, silly Christmas questions. So okay. here we go. What is your favorite holiday drink? Um, uh, probably eggnog. Mm-hmm. Very good. What is your favorite holiday cookie or treat? Oh, I, I love, I'm a sucker for like those Christmas tree shaped, like sugar cookies with, with yeah. that, with that icing. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, there are other things I learned. I have a sweet tooth, so I could name many things, many things. but that yeah, Christmas cookies. Yes. Very good. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite Christmas song or carol? Hmm. Uh, sort of an obscure one, but I think, um, I think Panis Angelicus is one of my favorites. Oh, uh, I just, I, I, it, I, it, you know, it, it was my, it was one of my mom's favorites. Mm-hmm. And so I think, uh, you know, it just has a sentimental, uh, in addition to being a beautiful song, it, it's very yeah. sentimental, but you know, but I love, I mean, I love, I love all the, the Christmas carols from the, from the world war II from the forties mm-hmm. era. Um, I'll be you home know, for Christmas. And, and, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously Bing Crosby, Nat King Cole, right. all those Although, yeah, those are my favorites. I'm not, I'm not as much a fan of the, the more recent Christmas carols. Sure. All right. What is your favorite classic Christmas movie? You know, it, it's such, it's such a cliche, but, but there's a reason it's a cliche. It's a wonderful life. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a fantastic, I mean, Frank Capra knew how to make a movie. Sure there's did. just no way around that. Um, I mean, all of his movies are great. It happened one night. I mean, you watch you watch Clark Gable, and it happened one night. And you're like, oh, that's where they got Bugs Bunny from. Um, it, it classic <laughs> stuff. Um, it, it, but um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it definitely, definitely, uh, it's a wonderful life. I mean, it's just it, that's it's it's a nearly perfect movie. I I agree. It's great. Okay, who do you prefer, Scrooge or the Grinch? Oh, that's a good one. Um, Huh. That's a, that's actually a tough one because, uh, from a literary standpoint, I'm I've always been a Dickens fan. Um, but I started this tradition of re- when my when my daughter was in preschool, I started I would go and I would read How the Grinch Stole Christmas to her classmates, and it became something I would do every year. So I'm I, I think I'm going to go with the Grinch. All right. Very good. Okay. Uh, which do you prefer, clear lights or colored? Oh, uh, again, interesting. I think from an aesthetic viewpoint, I, I prefer colored. I like the, the cleanness of it. It feels like ice and snow. And I, I like that. Mm-hmm. But when I was a kid growing up, we, we had brightly colored lights. So that's nostalgic for me. So, yeah. but, but we go, we go clear. We, we basically clear. go clear. Yeah. Okay. At our home. Uh, would you rather be in a snowball fight or build a snowman? Mm. Snowball fight. Okay. Good. Uh, would you consider yourself a good gift wrapper or not? Yeah, I, I, I actually, uh, not that I'm so creative in my gift wrapping, but I'm very precise. Mm. Uh, you know, <laughs> so I'm good, I'm good at like getting the, the, the seams just right. Uh, yeah. 
so yeah in that regard yes i'm a good okay. i'm a good gift forever good do you have an ugly christmas sweater um i i i don't and i know i know that's that's blasphemy for hallmark <laughs> um you know i mean the sweater i had with candace in in uh switch for christmas was pretty ugly yeah um, that was a good one. But, I, but i don't i don't know it was a good one yeah but uh i don't own it yeah okay well that's thought you answered all the questions <laughs> so, all right good. <laughs> so thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us this was a lot of fun and uh and we look forward to the movie and i hope you have a very very merry christmas you too rachel it was really nice talking to you take care <laughs> Do you have um social media that you want to share? Before we go. Uh, sure. Uh, and uh, I mean, I, I don't have Facebook, but I have uh, I have Twitter and Instagram, and it's just at Mark Declan. Um, yeah. Perfect. We'll have that in the description, and hopefully, we get to talk to you again sometime. And that'd be and, great. Uh, we'll look forward to the new movie. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks again, so much. <laughs> We'd like to thank Mark for coming on the podcast. This was so much fun to get to talk with him. He's such an interesting person, and I hope you enjoyed it listening to our discussion as much as I enjoyed talking to him. And so please like this video, please subscribe to the channel. If you're listening on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews. We appreciate that so much. You can follow me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. I'd really appreciate your support. And uh, please check out the Patreon. We uh, need your help to, in order to keep the podcast going. So please take a look. And then we also have the merch store, which is so much fun and has so many fun Christmas designs. So please take a look at that. And thank you so much to Mark again. And Merry Christmas, everybody. Bye.